This is episode 390 of the AWS podcast, released on September 6, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Great to have you back and I'm joined by Chetan Kapoor who is a Senior Manager for EC2 Technology. Welcome to the podcast, Chetan. Great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you on because you are going to be talking to us about a topic that's quite deep and interesting and a little different. Uh, we're going to be talking about AWS Inferentia and uh, I'm not committing to get that name right all the way through the podcast because I don't know how I can say it 20 times and not make a mistake. But maybe let's start with what is AWS Inferentia and why AWS decide to build this, this thing? Right. Uh, so AWS Inferentia is our first machine learning uh, chip that we built. Amazon and AWS has a long heritage of building silicon for ourselves, uh, you know, with our A1 instances and, you know, uh, MCG instances that we launched based on graviton processors. Uh, so it's the first chip that is designed for machine learning, uh, specifically for running uh, machine learning models in production. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you have a trained machine learning model, you're happy with the accuracy it is providing you, and now you actually want to deploy it at scale to start supporting customer requirements, right? So that's what Inferentia is designed for. It's custom silicon designed for machine learning inference. And to answer your second question about why we built it, uh, well, to answer that question, let me take a step back. Uh, so there, over the last few years, there are a couple of uh, key customer trends that are pretty impactful. So the first one is that the complexity of ML models is growing pretty rapidly. This is primarily happening because researchers and data scientists, they're actually pushing the boundaries of quality of predictions that these models are making, you know, what kind of fidelity they have. So as a consequence of that, you know, these models are just, just exploding in complexity, right? And the second aspect is, or the second trend is that, you know, there are a lot of companies that are seeing a lot of value in, in, um, in machine learning, and they want to increase the utilization of ML across various applications. And, and once you look, you know, once you talk to these customers and talk to them about some of their challenges, the first thing that, you know, that comes up very often is that, you know, the cost to run these complex machine learning models is getting prohibitive, right? Many customers tell us that 90% of their infrastructure spend for their ML application is associated with running inference in production, right? That's an interesting stat as well, because I think we tend to be very focused on the, the intense amount of compute storage and network needed for the training of these models. And, and that's, that's no small feat, but it's interesting that it's actually the, the running that's actually the more expensive component. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The training is a very computationally extensive process, right? Uh, and you're you're right. You, a lot of customers are looking at distributed training where you need large amount of networking bandwidth, tons of storage, a uh, lot of compute available. But teams, you know, typically train or retrain models like once a week, once every couple of weeks. In some cases, we are seeing customers who have, uh, you know, good model accuracy that they would train once a month, right? But once the model is trained you're running traffic continuously on it. Think about you know, Alexa as an example, right? So our team trains Alexa, uh, different aspects of Alexa pretty frequently, but then it is running all the time, servicing millions of requests on a per minute basis, right? Uh, so yeah, so uh, inference ends up being a really, really big portion of the infrastructure spend. And 
Inferentia is targeted specifically at lowering, dramatically lowering, if I may say so, uh, the cost curve of running inferential production, right? And uh, that's where we went, went on the start, started this journey a few years ago. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe tell us a bit more about the INF1 or INF1 instances and their features. What, are they, what do they have? What do they do? Right. So INF1 is actually the EC2 instance uh, that is built around the inferential chip, right? So if you go into the EC2 console and if you're looking for an instance to launch, that's the instance name you need to look out for, right? So if one are the EC2 instances built around Inferentia, and uh, they're designed with all the key components that we had at our disposal, the micro subsystem, 100 gig networking, second generation Intel Cascade Lake processors along with Inferentia chip. So it's really uh, you know, state-of-the-art technology kind of packed into, at the same time, with a very strong focus on lowering cost, right? So, you know, based on some of the benchmarks we're seeing, based on what customers are telling us, these instances actually provide the industry's lowest cost per inference uh, while giving class leading performance. And, uh, you know, in, in one instances and inferential chip are just part of the hardware solution. Another really big thing about these instances is uh, what we call as a software development kit uh, or the software for the inferential chips, right? And this is what we call as Neuron or AWS Neuron. And uh, Neuron as, as a software piece actually consists of multiple components. It consists of a compiler, a runtime engine, and some profiling tools. And at, at a high level, what it does is it actually takes your pre-trained model and compiles it down to bits that are executable on the inferential chip, right? Uh, so these models could be built using TensorFlow, PyTorch, or MXNet and our SDK plugs in under these frameworks and allows you to take your existing model, compile it for executing on, uh, on the actual inferential chip, right? And there are a whole bunch of really cool features about the Neuron SDK, things such as you know, smart graph partitioning, FP32 autocast, pipelines, and Neuron core groups. More of those perhaps in our follow-on conversation, Simon? And, and so, so this is really, a good example where customers can take advantage of some specialized hardware, but the, the that neuron layer means they can be building with their traditional framework. So TensorFlow, PyTorch, MXNet, et cetera, they can use all those types of things and not have to worry about um, being stuck with a particular processing modality. Yeah, that's that's super important. Again, that was, uh, that was one of the very clear customer feedback we received that customers want to have the flexibility to try and move on to uh, the hardware platform that gives them the best price performance, right? They don't want to be, they don't want to be locked in, right? So, uh, so that's why you know uh, we, our our inferential team, our neuron team, did the hard work of plugging our software into the ML frameworks, and customers just operate at the ML framework level. Uh, they're not coding anything specific to neuron, just a couple of line changes of code to actually just target target the compilation to neuron. And that's pretty much it. And what kind of ML applications are a good fit for the Inf1 instance? Um, so it's a whole range of applications, right? So we're seeing customers use them for image and video processing. Uh, we're seeing them uh, used for natural language understanding, text-to-speech conversion. Uh, we're seeing some customers that are doing uh, document analysis and sentiment analysis. So it supports a whole range of machine learning uh, machine learning applications. It's not it's not bound to certain classification of model types, 
Uh, again, you know, way, you know, ML works, the price performance you're going to see is going to vary from model type to model type, but, you know, we're seeing across a whole range of applications that is useful for. So it really is a case of, of trying to trying to test and see if it makes sense in, in your environment. And, and maybe to that, you know, what, what do developers need to do to the ML application to let them run on, on InfoOne? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the core focuses was we wanted to avoid making developers write custom code to target Inferentia, right? So uh, if you're in your model framework and you're making your standard, you know, load model calls or run model calls, you want to make sure that those calls uh, remain the same and you don't have to change those, right? So there are two things you need to be mindful of. Uh, in a lot of cases, this could be an environment variable where you set, where you say, instead of targeting a GPU, you're targeting the inferential chip. Uh, so it could be a change as simple as that, where you're just changing one environment variable. In the case of inferential, we do require a compilation step. So I talked about neuron and how it takes your model and compiles it down to bits that actually run on the inferential chip. So that compilation process is a step where you need to just invoke the compiler. Again, this is through the framework. Once you invoke the compiler, you will get a, an artifact. It's a file that you can uh, that represents the compiled model, and you can distribute that across your fleet of infinite instances across uh, your auto scaling groups so that you can automatically react to incoming customer traffic. So, at a high level, again, get it plugged into a machine learning frameworks of your choice. Uh, there are a couple of lines of code changes you need to make more to just target uh, the compilation process and, and make sure it is pointing to uh, the, the new one compiler. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, so pretty straightforward. Now, you mentioned GPU before, and I think this is an important one because I know when I looked at this as well, I'm like, hang on. I understand how GPU is exciting and fits really well into a lot of ML applications. How does Inf1 compare to the GPU-based instances? Like, how do I know what to choose and, and what are some of the trade-offs I need to think about? Yeah, so GPUs are great. You know, so uh, if you look at our portfolio, you know, last year, uh, October timeframe, we launched our G4 instances and we priced them really appropriately in the market where, you know, we want to make sure we give customers the best price performance for GPU instances in the cloud. So, so G4 by far the most cost-effective GPU platform that we have in our portfolio and for the most part across the industry also, right? So if you have code uh, that has dependency on GPU libraries and, you know, and it's very involved, uh, then probably sticking with a GPU instance is probably the best short-term solution for you, right? So in this case, uh, G4 instance is perfectly good solution for, uh, for that particular case, right? And the other case where you don't have a lot of dependency on GPU-specific libraries and you're operating at the machine learning framework level, uh, you should be able to start using inferential and Infone instances fairly seamlessly and quickly. Now, in that case, customers are reporting us that they're seeing 40 to 50% lower cost per inference than AWS GPU instances while seeing higher inference throughput and latency. So what that means is essentially we're able to meet or exceed the performance characteristics around kind of how many inferences we can make on a per second basis, how much time a particular inference makes while giving them 40 to 50% reduction in the actual cost per inference. So apples to apples, that's where ShakeOut and Simon, as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the the percentage of benefit that you're going to see over GPUs is going to vary on model to model type basis. You know, we are on a monthly release cadence for the Neuron SDK updates. 
Uh, so every month we're able to come in and actually improve our performance as we're supporting, you know, broader set of ML operators and fine tuning the operations of the ones that we currently have. So as a nutshell, you know, if you if you are able to you know leverage non-GPU platforms through your software, you should see about 40 to 50% reduction in your cost per inputs. So it's definitely worth a, a benchmark experiment to, to to test before you do it. Now, if you if you are testing it, can you go? Let's say you were using you know GPU instances and you want to just try it out on inf one, and then you go. Can you go back again? Is it a, a one way door or two way door? Oh, it's absolutely a two way door. Uh, mainly because the starting point for a journey of a customer who's looking to use Inferentia is a pre-trained model that is agnostic of any hardware type, right? So the model artifact itself that you're created, that you're trained, uh, most likely you're using a GPU to do that if it's a deep learning model. And in some cases you might be using CPUs, but the training model is where we start from. And the journey that I've just talked about that you would, you would actually invoke neuron through the framework, that is only uh, specific to, uh, to running the actual model inferentia other than that, your model is still agnostic of any hardware type. So you could, you could take the same model and say, you know, concurrently I'm going to run it on GPS to do an Apple Apple's comparison, right? So it's absolutely uh, a two-way door. You can go back and forth, you know, um, without taking any dependency uh, upstream in your model development or uh, your, 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 your training workflows. And as an example of applications, really, are any of the Amazon services using the InfOne instances for for their own processing? Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about uh, we talked about Alexa uh, earlier this year. So uh, Alexa, you know, at a high level, it has you know multiple different types of uh, machine learning models that work in the back end. You know, the first portion of that workflow is uh, ASR, which is automated speech recognition. So when you talk to her, she recognizes the words you're saying. Uh, the middle portion is NLU, which is natural language understanding, where you you know she tries to extract what you're asking for, and then there's a response mechanism in the background that comes back and says, okay, if you ask this, here's the answer. And the last piece is the TTS, which is text to speech, where uh, the software will come up and say, okay, here are the words that need to be spoken out, and then there's a machine learning model that will take those words and actually convert that to speech and play it through the speaker, right? So we have been working very closely with the TTS team over the last six months. And, uh, you know, they're seeing, uh, you know, 50 to 60% reduction in their cost and also improvement in their latency by using Inferentia. So uh, they're in the process of moving, um, you know, it's going really well. We have a whole a set of internal workloads. Uh, they're excited to actually uh, use InfoNet instances. So certainly a whole slew of services are excited about the prospect of using InfoNet. So if someone's listening to this podcast going, hmm, didn't know about that. I'm doing some work in this area. It would be good to get going. Where can they reach out to and, and how do they sort of get help if they need? For people who are, want to get started with Inferentia, the, the quickest and easiest way is through SageMaker. Uh, if you're not aware of SageMaker, it's our end-to-end machine learning service that enables customers to build, train, and deploy machine learning models as a managed ML service. And Inferentia is supported via SageMaker. So if you're getting started with machine learning and want to use Inferentia or Inferentia instances, the quickest and easiest way is through Amazon SageMaker. Now, on the other hand, if you are uh, if you have your own uh, machine learning service already and you want to just look at 
pinpoint instances and and, and get a, a feel of uh, inferential chips, then what I would recommend is to check out our our GitHub page for Neuron, uh, where we have a lot of getting started content, um, you know, example workflows for training models such as ResNet 50 or BERT uh, across various different frameworks such as TensorFlow, PyTorch, and MXNet. So would recommend for you to get started there and just pull up one of these example getting started guides and just, just be up and running with, right? Now, if you're looking to actually, you know, reach out and get some help, you know, the best, the quickest way is through the GitHub uh, support forum. Uh, we have engineers that monitor customer requests on a regular basis, and they have a goal to get back to any new request within, within, within 24 hours. So if you have a question, a low level question around how Neuron works or, uh, you know, some results that you're seeing that you want to better understand, feel free to reach out to us uh, using the support. And what about from a roadmap perspective? I mean, if, if there's one domain that's moving quickly, it's this one. Uh, how can people know what's what's coming up in terms of things like AWS Neuron? Yeah, that's a really important aspect, right? Because this field is moving so quickly on every six month basis, there's a new model type that, uh, you know, uh, kind of blows the door open for a new set of use cases. So yeah, so we understand that customers are eager to understand the direction that we are heading. The software roadmap for Neuron is actually publicly available on our GitHub site. So you can actually go look it up. Uh, you can see the features and capabilities we're working on. You could plus one or you know, uh, mark your support for a particular feature set. If there are things that are not on your roadmap, you can let us know. You know, at Amazon, there's one thing that is, you know, uh, you know for certain that we're gonna we're gonna follow our customer feedback and make make sure that our uh, roadmap is as exclusive of customer feedback that we're inclusive of customer feedback that we receive. Yeah, definitely having uh, having that customer feedback is just so vital to what the teams do. And what about future investments? I mean, you know, AWS Inferentia is the first custom chip that AWS has built for machine learning. What do future investments look like? Uh, so that's, uh, again, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, machine learning is an exciting space for all of us, um, not just not just as Amazon, right? It's, uh, we're seeing all the cool things that our customers have been able to do. It is going to be an ongoing investment, um, both on the software and the hardware side. You know, we don't want to rest on the capabilities we have, we have out in the market. We want to make sure we continue to improve on them. So like I mentioned on the software side, the Neuron team is iterating on a monthly basis, the new features, capabilities, and updated performance. And on the hardware side, we also want to continue to push the push the boundaries, right? So the price performance that we're able to offer today, uh, we want to make sure that we can actually better that over the next, you know, a year, a couple of years horizon, right? Uh, so for sure, there's an ongoing investment. It is really important for our customers from what they've told us. They want us to continue to push the boundaries for what ML is capable of doing and one of the core underlying supporting element is the cost per inference, right? So if if your if your cost to make predictions is too expensive and you're not able to deploy machine learning at scale, then that's going to hold you back. And uh, that motivates us to make sure that you know we're thinking through not only from the short term but also in the medium term and the long term angle. Yeah, it's a great point. It's it's really an end to end continuum. We've got the the training part, which has its own requirements, and then the the actual inference ongoing inference part, and that's certainly something. Uh, I know I hadn't thought a lot about, but this has been really useful. So, uh, Jathan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing some uh, some new perspectives. All right. Thank you, Simon. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. 
Anytime. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.